Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, we're following up on the the last part of the 12th chapter of Romans and uh, just kind of wrapping up um, four weeks in that in that chapter. So let's jump into it. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I just want to lift up to remind those of you who might be listening this morning is to continually pray for the family and the fire here in Bloomington and all those events that's going on this week. And then also read that, and this is um, probably a little nearer to my heart, but Burnett Chapel, United Church of Christ in in Antioch, Tennessee, a uh, shooter was there yesterday morning, and to remember for the uh, sister who lost her life and uh, all those others. So let's just keep those in our prayers because that's just a part of life. thought it might be interesting this morning that um, I referenced Matthew 5 yesterday, uh, briefly, it was referenced in the bulletin where Jesus was talking about an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, um, and thought we might just journey around that a bit. We'll see how far that goes this morning. I went back to the Old Testament and began to look in Exodus um, and was actually reminded of some things that I'm sure I learned 40 years ago, but have escaped <laughs> off into the recesses of my mind. Um, about um, following the Ten Commandments, how God began to somehow try to help uh, the Hebrew nation understand some way to, to make application of that law, also how to somehow or another live in the context, because all around them were peoples of other belief systems or other countries or other nations, and how they treated each other was really based upon wealth. Mm-hmm. And as they, uh, uh, as God began to deal with the children, of course, still not the ideals of what He hoped for, but the recurrent reality, or the current reality of what there was. I, I go back to Weatherhead, uh, God's um, intentional will, God's circumstantial will, God's ultimate will. We're living in that circumstantial will now, where He, uh, uh, because of the free will that we have. He um, often um, tries to help us live life out in some manner or form in the midst of that. And let me just uh, clarify, that's Leslie Weatherhead's uh, The Will of God right. book that you're talking about. Um, so I was just doing some reading on this eye for eye, tooth for tooth thing. Uh, and the reality is is that uh, uh, it was a non-literal application most of the time. And for Jesus, it was the same thing, non-literal, except for one dimension to it. And life for life in the Old Testament, it generally meant if you took somebody's life, then you indeed could very well lose your own life. It did not mean necessarily if somebody lost their eye because of your behavior, uh, you would lose your eye. But the attempt was uh, to somehow change and shift from if you had enough money, you could buy your way out of anything and not have any consequences, uh, any responsibility for this. And it was called the Italian Law. It's referenced a couple of times, two or three times in the Old Testament. Um, 
sounds really harsh, um, but it was uh, meant to um, it meant to somehow control revenge. Um, the judgment of that law was not in the hand of the person who was the one who was offended, but it was in the hands of the elders of the day, and they were given discretion on how to best sort that out and determine that. Um, but it just seems to me, and I, I, I'm trying to be careful, it seems to me this eye for eye, tooth for tooth thing has risen its head in a, in a way again in this country that really disturbs me. Yeah, and in a different way than um, was meant in the Old or New Testaments, mm-hmm. um, because um, um, one of the things that I find interesting is that um, this was written to protect um, the one with less power, and that's not often the case um, in uh, in societies. Often, the ones with money have power, and the ones with money and power um, are the privileged, and they're the ones that the laws are written for. And so in this case, um, it, it kind of protects that and says, no, you can't take you know, um, somebody's life because they uh, you know, did something inconsequential, um, but, but it, has to be, um, uh, it, it has to be in the context and it has to be it has to fit the punishment has to fit the crime. Basically, and then Jesus took that further and uh, said, "Not only an eye for an eye, uh, or a tooth for a tooth, but I'm going to say, if someone slaps you on one cheek, let them slap you on the other." And my concern with this is always that people will say, um, "Then am I supposed to lay down and take it? Am I supposed to? Um, are you saying that that?" For a Christian, then people can just beat me. That's not at all what we're saying there. Um, do you want to talk more about that, Randy? Well, for Jesus in his context of his time, I think that statement was made uh, um, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. It was also made in the context that a Roman soldier could come up and if he told any Hebrew person mm-hmm. to do something and they didn't do it the way he wanted it or the way he, as fast as he wanted it, he could take his right hand, most of them had said were right-handed, and he would backhand that person across the face. Um, and that was the culture. And if it's still the response was not right, they could go ahead and lay any sort of a, a beating on them that they could. Um, and as you're backhanding someone, obviously you're you're hitting them on the right cheek. If you're facing someone and you're backhanding him with your right hand, you're hitting him on the right cheek. So that that was his reference then to come back and said, and then turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not saying, don't stand up. Mm-hmm. But he was saying, we want to change the culture of how people treat people, even if you're in authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we go back to... Uh, some of the verses here in Scripture when he says, don't be proud, mm-hmm. uh, um, that was a, a prideful thing. It was a, a power kind of struggle. Um, somebody asked me an interesting question. I've just, I, I'm, I'm more scattered probably than I sometimes am. <laughs> um, That's a frightening thought, Randy. It is. But uh, somebody asked me a, a question, well, if, if, we're not supposed to do this. It, is, is it Christian then to peacefully 
demonstrate against something that is wrong or peacefully uh, protest against something that's wrong. And that's just an interesting uh, question to ask. And, of course, there's lots of stuff right now. There's uh, (laughs) protesting going on everywhere. But I think God calls us to stand up for what is right and to stand up for those who are being persecuted. I mean, I think to I think that that's part of our our job as as Christians, but not to um, not to, as you said yesterday, repay evil for evil, uh, but to stand beside the the widows the orphans you know um that's what scripture says to stand beside those who are 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 being persecuted this um and of course it's it still comes back to our definitions um both real and and unreal of what evil is on how we stand up against that i don't think jesus at any point was saying don't stand up for yourself don't stand up for your family but I think in the context, what he was saying there was a deeper thing. Let's begin to somehow change this culture. This is not what God intended life to be. Paul's saying the same thing to the church at Rome. Interestingly enough, the church in the power center of the world they live in, dealing with people in the power center of that world, and my guess is that a lot of that power center stuff, even though folks may have come to Christ, it doesn't mean that we're always living as disciples of Jesus no, Christ. Not at all. And was trying to say to them, uh, this is not uh, this is not the standard. This power play is not the standard. It's not the standard to seek revenge. It's not the standard of God to somehow or another uh, um, be as mean to somebody as they are to you. Um, and, and that's the message I hope maybe uh, we've come across or, or, or we've tried to get across over the last couple of weeks is uh, um, this, the laws of the Old Testament were written in seasons when they were surrounded by um, so much unfairness. God was trying to put some kind of parameters to that. God was trying to make the Ten Commandments somehow in the context of where the Hebrews' children were living, somehow make it practical and effective. Um, and that challenge is still there today. Uh, I read a couple of good lines, and if I can find them here, I'd, I'd love just to, to share those as I uh, uh, was doing some work on this. Hopefully this will not be boring, but I think it might just be enlightening for you. Um, To obtain a fuller picture of the principles being illustrated in the biblical law, it's necessary to study them against the wider background of Near Eastern law. Another point to recognize in reading these case laws is that they do not express Old Testament ideals. They only deal with the problems. That's something for us as Christians, I think, for us to remember. If everyone loved his neighbor as himself, there would be no slavery, no murder, no theft, no seduction. These laws define what must be done if the Ten Commandments and the principles of neighbor love are ignored. And of course they're ignored. Minor transgressions of these principles, such as anger or uh, snarly comments or lust, they deal um, with the gap between the ethical ideals of the Old Testament 
that is, how it was hoped people would behave, and the laws which define minimum standards of behavior. Um, I, just, I just thought that was really good in terms of helping us to understand um, the struggle that, that has gone on since the beginning, still the struggle that we're in today. Yeah, um, we hear on the news every day um, that we're going to combat power with power, um, violence with violence. And I don't know when that's ever um, come out good, you know. I don't know where violence against violence has ever uh, resulted in um, in something good or something peaceful. There may be an end to a war, but then what we leave in the aftermath is shambles. Um, and, and uh, you know, we take it, that down to a, a, an interpersonal level then. Um, somebody insults us, um, what do we want to do? We want to hurt them back. Um, and it keeps going and going. And what good does that do? It, but it's human nature to want to either protect ourselves or to hurt that person um, as they have hurt us. And that's that's not ever that's not ever helpful. Um, I do a lot of marital counseling and a lot of premarital counseling, and I try to get I try to get to couples in the premarital counseling um, so that when they uh, get into marriage, they remember, I hope they remember something about um, what we talked about. Um, you know, when when uh, a spouse um, has had a really bad day and says something ugly, don't, don't bite, don't get into it. Um, um, and, and how much harder it is when someone that you don't love as, as dearly um, comes up to you, a coworker, a uh, fellow student, a who knows what it is, and and insults you. How how much more are we ready to just give back? And that leads to vi- that leads sometimes to physical violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you do when your child is bullied at school? You know, I want to beat up the bully. You know, um, obviously that's not not the way the, the direction we want to go. We read a a um a story. We were we were gonna use this in this series and never got to it. Um and Randy you might uh, have to help me in remembering the details of this, but uh a family had a a son who was killed by a drunk driver mm-hmm. and this wasn't the first instance of this uh we didn't use this, did we? No. I don't think I we don't did. think so. This wasn't the first instance of this um uh, driver, this young man driving while he was drunk. He'd had several of them. And so he was put in jail. And the parents of the man who was killed um, went to visit this man in jail and actually befriended him. And um, ultimately, uh, I think the end of the story, I'm, I'm jumping. Go ahead. When he got out of jail, yeah. when they had served his time, this mother and dad, who no longer had a son, took him into their home yeah. because he had, at that point, no place to go and no place, nobody to care for him, took him into their home and eventually adopted him as their son. Right. Then that leads to the point that I think that uh, it says here, do not 
do not be overcome by evil. That's one piece to being a disciple. The other piece, but overcome evil with, with good. good. And so if we just survive mm-hmm. and if we just don't do a bad thing, that's mm-hmm. only half the battle. That's the right. other battle is is what we're going to do or how we're going to overcome evil uh, in a broader sense with our actions or with our behaviors. And this, um, that illustration you know, that illustration demonstrated that, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just about not letting your life be consumed by anger over the death of your son or being consumed by the um, the failure of the judicial system to somehow keep this uh, other young man off the road. They took it way beyond that to the mm-hmm. point that Paul's talking about here and to the place that I think Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. Mm-hmm. That it's not good enough just not to be overcome by evil, but our but our responsibility as Christian men and women, our call as Christian men and women, is then to overcome evil in whatever form it presents itself. And I love that. Uh, that's in our um, in our membership vows, as I recall, mm-hmm. uh, in evil in whatever form that presents itself to overcome that evil with good, mm-hmm. and we do that. Uh, for the glory of God. We mm-hmm. do that to testify of his redeeming love, his gracious love, his kindness. Uh, we do that uh, somehow or another with the hope that it might change. Even if it changes, even if it only changed this young man's life, it changed a life Absolutely. Uh, by overcoming evil with good. And and I think that that happened through relationship. We go, we go back to what we said a few weeks ago in terms of how do we break down barriers, racial barriers, ethnic barriers, whatever the barriers might be. Um, um, how do we do that? Well, the way this family did it is they went and visited this young man. They talked with him. They developed a relationship, probably found out why he was drinking, why he ended up doing this. Um and, and didn't write him off as an evil man who had no, uh, no value as a person. And so, um, you know, I'm going to look for ways in which I, as well as uh, we can invite other folks in Calvary, to develop relationships with people that aren't like us. Maybe people were, that have offended us. Maybe people that, I, I don't know, um, but to develop relationships so that we can um, um, overcome evil with good. And, and maybe uh, recognize that we're all in this together, and it's hard for everybody. I think one of the challenges today, and that's I had a couple of folks email me yesterday afternoon and said, now what was that Bible verse again we're supposed to put on our phone? Mm-hmm. What was that Bible verse we're supposed to copy? Um, we often begin to pick up what's around us, and at least the media is picking up um the the fightings they're picking yeah. up the anger they're picking up the judgments they're picking up uh, because that makes good stories mm-hmm. i guess um and we have to be the ones who maybe just one by maybe it'll be truly that starfish story i love that story mm-hmm. where how do we save them all one by one mm-hmm. um but we begin to pray our own heart change spirit change protection around us i call that a hedge of protection when we begin to pray around someone that God would protect their soul or their spirit or their mind or their wherever they happen to be, that somehow God would cover them in a way that uh, whatever it is, whatever evil, it, whatever form it presents itself, 
uh, does not become the consuming fire. Uh, because if it becomes a consuming fire, then it becomes the base from which we operate with anybody. Right. If Jesus continues to be the base from which we operate, we're missing we're missing something if we continue to live in that bitterness. We're so if Je- you started to say if Jesus becomes the base in which we operate, then something else comes out. Not, it can. Yeah. If we let it. Mm-hmm. I still think we're in control. I just... I still think we control how much of Jesus gets into how much of us, how much of um, how much of grace uh, comes out of our mouth, how much, and that's that's a battle because the the carnal, human, earthly nature centers around me, mm-hmm. um, and when we begin to move away from that and center that on God, who then centers that on somebody else, bless his heart. He centers that on somebody else. That means that I have to think beyond myself. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily natural to do that. And it certainly isn't easy to do that. Uh, but and when, that flows into the next series, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which starts on Sunday. So that's what I, I've heard you talking. I thought, hmm, flowing right into that next series. What comes out of us? Mm-hmm. What fruit are we going to bear? We have it. It's just, mm-hmm. are we going to release it? Mm-hmm. We have it. Or are we going to live in it? Uh, God's made it available to us. Or are we going to use it? Whether that's, whether that's um, John Wesley's good old terms, whether that's justifying grace, mm-hmm. whether that's sanctifying grace, whatever that is, uh, we still choose um, what comes in and what comes out. All right. Well, Isaac note, is still here. On that note, well, <laughs> time is actually pretty close to being up, so I, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I think that's all right. And uh, we'd love to keep the good discussion going with you all, so you can hit us up in the regular ways that you usually do, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, email, all those kinds of uh, great pieces of communication. We'd love to hear what you're thinking and uh, respond to that. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, what uh, Debbie alluded to, the fruit of the Spirit, so we'll be on that for a few weeks after that. And until then, grace and peace. Peace.